0: So welcome to this empowering uh, group of podcasts, and delighted to welcome Una O'Hagan. And Una is well known to you all, but I want to introduce you even more to, to Una because she's an amazing mentor for all of us. So mm-hmm. Una is a qualified pharmacist. She bought her and she trained in Trinity College, which is my alma mater as well. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she's from Tyrone, and she's going to. We're going to talk about that later, and she. Uh, they went and worked in Mahars Pharmacy, wasn't it? That's correct. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, she, at the end of that internship, she actually asked him if he would consider selling a tour whenever he was selling, which was audacious considering <laughs> you were so young. Uh, she then bought her ph- her first pharmacy on Baggett Street, back in two thousand one. Actually, by going around to all the banks and asking them to. to, Well, she's going to tell us about that in a minute. And she's grown the business now to nine pharmacies, which is incredible, with an online pharmacy, Mars.ie, which employs over 130 people. So it's just unreal. She's now looking after customers the length and breadth of Ireland, as well as shipping to 58 countries around the world she's passionate about expanding the role of the pharmacist within the healthcare ecosystem which I think is fantastic Iona, yeah. and helping shape the future of Irish pharmacists uh, and uh, as a result of that she sits on the strategic board of the School of Pharmacy in Trinity and she's also involved in the College of Surgeons and you lecture there as well don't you both in Trinity and the College of Surgeons she's passionate about female entrepreneurship which is why you're here today Iona, <laughs> and has been a lead entrepreneur on the Going for Growth programme here in Ireland for six years and this supports Irish female entrepreneurs to grow and scale their business. And we had Darvill work on as well and she is yeah. involved in that as well. So She's it's wonderful. Good. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So um, you're a member of the SME task force which developed a plan to support SMEs and entrepreneurs here in Ireland and to grow their business and most importantly she is a wonderful mother to two beautiful children Luca and Cassie and wife to l- the lovely husband Ronan who is very supportive as well so that's fantastic so Una will you tell us about your life uh, when where it all started in Plumbridge in County Tyrone yeah. you know and who were your mentors and how did you get to be where you are today?
1: Oh thanks very um, well I suppose growing up yeah I come from a tiny little village called Plumbridge in the hills of Tyrone between Omagh and Strabane. Uh, as a crow flies. And I guess my principal mentor and the ultimate inspiration in my life is my mum. So, my mum, I guess, um, like we grew up in the 1970s at that time when it was the height of the Troubles in the North. Mm-hmm. And um, and my mum was a real trailblazer. So, she worked uh, for a manufacturing company mm-hmm. called Hall's Laundry, and they make bras and knickers for Marks and Spencers mm-hmm. and it, there, it was an English company and there was I think four manufacturing plants in the north of mm-hmm. Ireland and she ran one of those which was happened to be in Plumbridge. Mm-hmm. So she employed um, hundreds of women and a few men, the caretaker and a few other guys, the maintenance guys, but principally women across, I suppose, the whole political divide in, in the north of Ireland. Fantastic. So, I mean, she she changed the lives of, I suppose, the local community mm-hmm. and, and many communities around us in terms of, you know, town lands and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And I used to go and visit uh, the factory with her after school and, mm. uh, you know, uh, during school holidays and so on and mm-hmm. so forth, sit in her office and uh, twirl around in the chair and sharpen pencils and just watch her, I suppose. And mm. I, I, I didn't realise back then what influence she was having on me, Mm -hmm. um, but I could see her leadership and I could see how she really motivated and empowered women, really.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, And she was, uh, you know, of that generation that, that, you know, most women weren't doing that, so it was very, very revelationally. Very, very.
1: And I guess who her colleagues were in terms of other factory managers were all Mm -hmm. men, you know, Mm -hmm. um, as well as in the UK, you know. So she was a sole woman in the midst of men Mm. and yet she 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 used to smash all of the quality control awards. she used to always come first very very competitive Mm -hmm. and really drove her team her tribe of women to really be better and better and better and and was very very proud of always collecting those awards and attributing those to her team um and i used to watch her kind of motivate the team Mm -hmm. in doing that so I didn't realize back then, Mary, but when I look back now, I realized just what a huge influence mm. she was on me because I could see the lengths and breadths that she would go for those girls outside of work. You know, mm. if there was something going mm. on and whether it be family or whatever, how she really supported them and encouraged them to get back to work and, and mm. to be, you know, I suppose, a better version of themselves and mm. for their families as well. Mm-hmm. So then I left Plumbridge and um, went to school in Straban, and um, did my A-levels. Really love science, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, And in the north, you pick three subjects as opposed to doing the Leaving Cert mm-hmm. where you have seven or, or more down here. So I chose the science subjects. So it was very much chemistry, biology and maths. Mm-hmm. Um, So I was always going to do something in the science field. I applied for medicine because You know, I was the oldest child in my family Mm -hmm. and the oldest grandchild in my granny's family. So everybody was kind of pushing me Mm. all of the time. And, you know, lots of people were saying, oh, you'd be a brilliant doctor and so on and so forth. So I did apply for medicine in Trinity and I did get the points. But at the very last minute, I changed it into pharmacy. And that was purely because I was terrified of needles. And um, and it was always in the back of my head. I wouldn't be able to be a a good doctor, Mm -hmm. you know, um, because of that fear. And so the, leaving, uh, the I suppose a level results came out, came out a week before the leave insert. And Trinity phoned me, the admissions office phoned me to say, just want to make sure you're taking the 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 place in in Madison and um, before the leave insert results would come out. And on that split second, I said, no, actually, I changed me into pharmacy. and And that's how I ended up in pharmacy. I never had. You know, I never kind of thought I was going to be a pharmacist. There was nobody in my family that's, that comes from a pharmacy background, but actually it probably suits me better because mm-hmm. it's a real blend of the science and also business mm-hmm. and, you know, a, a, and drive, you know, working with a team. That's mm-hmm. one sure thing that I love doing. And I love being part of a team and I love, I suppose, meeting different kind uh, customers every day mm-hmm. and different problems every day. Um, I love the variety, I suppose, mm-hmm. that it brings. Mm-hmm. So I... Th- I studied pharmacy in Trinity and at that time it was a four year degree course and then a one year internship, um, with a tutor pharmacist. And you could either choose to go into community pharmacy, hospital pharmacy, or at that time industry. So manufacturing. And I had this vision of, you know, me being stuck in a lab somewhere in a basement somewhere. So I wasn't going to, uh, I chose community cause I knew I would be around people. Yeah. And I happened to live around the Bagot street area at that time in, um, uh, with three girls from the North and we used to call ourselves squat mates and, uh, and Mars on Baggett Street was my local pharmacy. And I used to pop in and borrow, you know, reference books from Pierce there if we had a, an exam in college and so on and so forth. So I used to go in there for my bits and pieces. And all, there was always so, uh, an attraction to that pharmacy. And... Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it had been his mum's pharmacy before. It's been there since the 1920s. And, you know, and she passed it on to him. And I always loved the atmosphere in it. He was really quirky. Used to have a bit of a laugh with him. And so one day I asked him, would he be my tutor? Um, and he said, yes. It was just like asking somebody out on a date, Mary. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was really awkward, but he said yes. And so when I left college, I went and worked for a year with Pierce. And he was my tutor and he taught me really the the ins and outs of community pharmacy and how to look after customers. He was a huge advocate of... um, you know doing good within the community mm-hmm. and he was hugely involved within the community as was his mum before him did a lot of charity work for St Vincent de Paul did a lot of work within the community and that really inspired me to actually continue the work that we do today for Peter Macfrey Trust and, and other community projects that we work in but um, so he taught me all the, the I sure had a clue Mary whenever I went in there the first day you know you learn all of this in college but you couldn't uh, apply that knowledge because there was no like it's, it's a much better program now because the Masters programs was integrated learning so mm-hmm. you know we see the students throughout those years where they're you know applying the knowledge through it but sure i had learned it all in college and you know it was in one year and out the mm-hmm. other year mm-hmm. so he really i suppose took me from that academic space into the application of mm-hmm. it and mm-hmm. and i'll never forget him um, for doing that but i suppose throughout that year i just loved the pharmacy i loved the experience um you know, I totally fell in love with that job. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved everything about it. Um, I felt like the walls would t- were talking to me, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I was very, very happy there and I didn't want to leave. And on my last day, I was bawling, crying and begging him, would he keep me even on as a, you know, to stack the shelves? <laughs> I just did not yeah. want to go. And uh, and he said, no, because he had another intern coming. And um, and I said him, um, I plucked up the courage. I don't know what, because I wanted to ask him that question for the whole year. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, if and I did, uh, you know, I was almost about to walk out the door and I just said, listen, if you're ever selling the pharmacy, will you let me know? I would love to own this pharmacy one day. And and he said, yeah, absolutely. Um, if I ever am, I'll let you know. i um, not thinking anything off it really, yes, Mary, yeah, but... Yeah. Um, but four years later, I got that call, and he was selling. He had an offer on the table from another pharmacy group, and um, and he said to me, Listen, I remember I told you, I promised you, I'd t- tell you, if you can match the offer, um, by all means, I'll sell it to you.
0: And what age were you then, Una? Remind us. Twenty, twenty-five. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Where was the 25-year-old going to come up with that money? (laughs) Yeah,
1: well, I had no idea, but I was absolutely convinced that that was it. You know, Mm. I got off the phone thinking my dream was going to come true. Um, And I was determined to raise the money and I had no money, Mary. And I had no backing and I was still paying my student loan Mm. off, um, so listen, between the jigsaw and the rails, um, what happened was I, I went on, a, I suppose, a spate of trying to find raise money, and, um, and I remember getting an appointment. Even even to get to see somebody was a real challenge, I yes, guess, at course. that age. Yes, and, yeah. Um, but eventually I got some, somebody in a bank who said, listen, yeah, well, I can't fit you in, you know, at the time that you want to come and see, because I was just like looking for appointments. They said, y- you know, I'm going off on my holidays. If you want to come in, come in on Monday at seven o'clock in the morning, um, come to our team, um, knock on such and such a door and I'll see you. And um, and by the way, bring along a, a copy of your business plan. I didn't even know what a business plan was, Mary, back then, yes, would you believe, yes, you know? Yeah, yeah. So. That weekend I went um, into a bookshop here in town and um, and like it was almost like a book fell off the shelf, how to write a business plan. So I picked that up I went uh, that weekend, I went into Trinity because I had no laptop or anything back then, mm. typed up um, a business plan and went in that Monday morning and presented it to two gentlemen I'd never known before. And um, and by the end of the meeting, they said that they would back me. And Fantastic. So you have great
0: communication skills. And uh, obviously th- that's what helps you to grow so much. But that was incredible too. Yeah. To,
1: yeah. yeah. So listen, I don't I don't know if I'd get it today. Mm. I don't even know if I'd have the courage to mm. do that today, mm. but. Um, but I just knew I could really make a go of it mm. because I'd worked there so long and I knew what I knew the the positives that mm. the pharmacy had. and I knew the opportunities and I'd also worked at that time, you know, in other pharmacies around there. And again, I knew the positives mm. and the opportunities. So I just knew I could do it. Could um, card, yeah. So. Um, so I went first and um, that was in 2001 20 years ago would you believe Mary My on the goodness. 1st of
0: September <laughs> and were you worried about like obviously you saw all the opportunity but you must have been worried as 24 old about how am I going to pay all this debt back
1: or do you know I listen uh, it's so strange but I never thought of that mm. I you know, and I don't know what didn't why I That's didn't the have lovely, that. That's a
0: lovely, fantastic thing about youth, isn't it? You don't, you yeah. Don't I think guess fear. it was. Yeah, yeah well. you didn't
1: see the fear. I didn't think of what would happen. I just knew I would do everything in my power to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't. I guess it. You know, you have no commitments. Mm. You didn't. I. You know. Exactly. I had no family at that time, so I wasn't thinking of anyone mm. else. I was just thinking about me, and I knew that. I would do I was just determined I would do whatever if wow. I had to work seven days a week I would. And, and I did do that for two years. I, and it
0: was lovely that you made the, the choice to keep on uh, the name as Mars Farms. You didn't yeah. change it to O'Hagan. Yeah. Was that a deliberate? Yeah, uh, very
1: much. Like I tossed and turned about that. And I went, you know, Pierce tried to actually change my mind and, and asked me, you know. Very so, nice of him. Yeah. Mm. But I just sort of felt, you know, it, it, had was, a brand. it was a brand. It was his mum's beforehand. He didn't have to sell to me, Mary. He gave me a chance. Exactly. He waited for me to raise the finance. He had an offer there that he could have took much quickly. And I think it was a huge part of yeah, the my journey. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah. I felt I just felt like it was the right thing to do Good guy. No, but, but when I went to open the second pharmacy, you know, again, I went and met him and he tried to convince me to change it now, you know. But... And what
0: made you do that? Because most people would just do the first the one mm. pharmacy and then they would get on with their lives. And what, what was this in you to say, I'll do a second and a third and a fourth? What was yeah. that? I think my
1: ambition just grew and I felt that um, I could do it again. And I felt like we were making a real difference in in the Bagot Street area. A lot of people would be coming and saying, you know, give me positive feedback in terms of what it was that we were doing. And what um, were you doing
0: different? Were you, you know, you, apart from prescribing, which was, yeah. were you educating as well, or what was I it? think
1: even back then, yeah, like I really seen the role of the pharmacist. has been, you know, we spend so much time in college, Mary. We have so much information on medicines in mm. particular. Um, particularly now, you know, we we do a lot of alternative, you know, whether mm. it be around vitamins and supplements and. Mm things change every week Mm. as you you would well know Mm. um, Mary so we're always keeping ahead of that Mm. and I always felt that we had all this knowledge and it's it, we we owe it to our customers to impart that knowledge. Yes, and I always 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 felt that. And when I was doing my intern year, I actually did my project. Back then, you had to do a project, and you had to present it. It was part of your actual final qualification. You don't have to do that anymore. But I actually did it on the menopause. Would you believe me? <laughs> oh girl, well done. And I remember interviewing. I was sixty odd women at that time. You know what the symptoms they were going through, and you know why they chose either HRT or not, or vice versa. And I remember sitting in that little consultation room, interviewing them and them crying to me and, you know, begging me c- to help them mm. even back then, And I really felt like, oh, my goodness. You know, I have so much knowledge here. I I need to spend time with people and actually explain what what I would consider sometimes to be the basics. Absolutely. But but of course, no, they don't. You know, people don't know what we Mm. know, but we assume that they do know. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. So I think from since the very beginning, we we were kind of almost. I always say to our team, like pharmacists, we're not meant to be in behind a counter. We're not meant to be you know, Mm. in in the back sticking labels and boxes, we're meant to be customer facing. We're meant to be in front of the counter, the counter can't be seen as a barrier. We have to be approachable, seen as empathetic, professional, a place where you can come and ask trusted questions. Mm. And that was always my vision from the very get go. And I think that's what we try and do very differently in Mars. Um, and the team that we have really buy into that. And that's why they come and join us mm. because they they feel that that's what they want to be part of. And I think the future um, and you said in your introduction, the future of pharmacy really mm. is, is about educating, oh, it's you know, absolutely so important. Yeah. And it oh. is about explaining, you know, it's about preventative care and it's about actually explaining to people well do you think you have a deficiency and whatever and it's about diagnostic testing and it's about services
0: and Mm -hmm. it's about you know explaining you know options to people really you know absolutely Um, and i suppose if we're not doing that we're we're allowing a vacuum where people you know for example i'm just thinking about statins i mean cholesterol-lowering drugs are absolutely fantastic but if we're not as medics and pharmacists telling people about educate them properly as to why mm. they're not going to be compliant Absolutely. compliance is down to you know if they tr- trust you and trust the doctor and the, and the pharmacist as to why they're taking it and an awful lot of time unfortunately patients are prescribed tablets they don't even know why they're taking them but and, uh, Mary I couldn't agree more like when mm. you look
1: at the WHO stats on, mm. on compliance 50% mm. of people don't take their medicines mm. properly mm. and when you interview those people uh, about why they don't take their medicine properly it's usually something like well I thought it would put on weight or I thought it was giving me a nightmare mm. or my next door neighbor told me actually it's going to do X, whatever. It's usually something they've either read in Google, they've read, you know, mm. or they've come up with an opinion and... And we we need to, as professionals, be explaining the important. You can't just take it two days a week or you can't just take it three days. You know, it is about compliance if you want to get the best results out of it. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, services and um, a good example around that would be like cholesterol testing in between times before they go back to see their doctors Mm -hmm. to actually show actually this is making a difference Difference. to you, you know, and then adding on, well, you know, whether it be dietary supplements or whether it be a bit about exercise or whether it be, you else that they mm. need to complete that picture because like medication is only one piece of the puzzle mm. there's mm. so many other bits exactly. that you know so exactly. it's, it's about development I, I suppose a holistic approach to the okay. to health and well-being mm. so that's what we were trying to bring, I guess. And that's like that's the journey I've been on and and and, and then what made you do third and fourth and uh, fifth and sixth? Did uh, you
0: just see an opportunity and yeah, you
1: sort of thought Yeah. Well I, I guess know. like from the second it was close enough to Baggett Street. I knew that areas in Ranelagh. um and I knew again that, that pharmacy, um, the positives and negatives and I felt it could make a difference there. And then the third pharmacy that I opened was um was a pharmacy that I knew the owner and he was retiring and again, Um, I guess his offering was very much just only dispensary there was very little retail and so I knew I could make a go of that and then the third or the fourth pharmacy was like in the Barrow Street area underneath the Google building and a lot of our customers in Bagot Street were kind of migrating down towards there because a lot of their offices were moving there was nothing there and they were actually asking me lesson would you open a pharmacy down there so that we could Mm. get our bits and all of that and and, and, and it just went on, went for, on. For, for each pharmacy I guess there was different reasons of mm. opening those particular um, pharmacies but it was all if you were looking at an umbrella reason it was all because we re- I really felt that we could bring something to that particular location
0: mm. in terms of our own brand and our own offering mm. and how did you manage to meet a man and to have two children we're doing all <laughs> that oh, no, you tell me.
1: oh well I met Ronan in college I knew him from the north he's from Strabane actually oh, lovely. Um, but we never encountered so I met him on the he got his A-level results and I was already in Dublin. So I'm two years older than running. And uh, and he said he was coming to Dublin and um, maybe we should hook up. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> uh, but I, I met him in college then in, in Trinity and he did law. And um, and we started going out actually. I was in my final year. He was in his second year and uh, yeah so that's gone back a while as oh, well fabulous yeah. so
0: he was there for the entire journey which he was, was lovely so he's very he supportive was, yeah and, and he
1: has the, been yeah. the relationship
0: was very solid when you were very busy and he's obviously yeah, very understanding
1: yeah. yeah and he's listen he's been very busy in his own career as yes, well you yes, know? So, Yeah, so yeah. yeah listen it's been you know both of us at various different times have had to support each other yeah it's yeah.
0: fantastic yeah. and then Una so you're now f- nine pharmacies isn't it You nine have? pharmacies and then the online store is as- huge since COVID I mean, it was big yeah. before COVID, but uh-huh. I'm sure it took off with COVID, did it? it uh, like we, uh,
1: I suppose back in 2014 is when I set it up, actually, mm. Mary. so it was like a long time and o- online business is very different to bricks and mortar mm. business and um, and it works completely differently and I suppose for the first couple of years we were trying to find our feet just mm. to figure out actually, um, you know, what does sell and so on and so forth. But, what it meant was we had all of that kind of work done, the groundwork done. And um, so then when COVID actually hit, we had this infrastructure in place. Mm-hmm. Um, we had the team, we had the skill set and what we were able to do and what we made a call on very early actually was, you know, we were you know, obviously open throughout the whole thing throughout mm-hmm. COVID. Um, but we were very much a melting pot of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, people were coming in with us with symptoms, despite the fact that guidance might have mm-hmm. been to stay at home we were having people um then you know standing at a counter waiting for something right beside somebody who we knew was mm. going through maybe cancer treatment or so on so mm-hmm. forth so it was a melting pot really mm-hmm. um, and we, I felt it was a very unsafe environment for our teams mm-hmm. and for our customers and most vulnerable people um, that would, would visit us so we try to migrate a lot of our business onto online and onto the online platform throughout the whole COVID thing to keep everybody safe you okay. know and that's were you worried
0: that that would uh, before before COVID were you worried that, that would interfere with your other business
1: no because would. We've been really working hard on, especially the last two or three years, was mm. amalgamating in both, you mm. know, so that our in-store customers could shop online when it was convenient for them, inconvenient for them to come in for whatever mm. reason. Um, so and and vice versa, when our online customers, when they want to speak to somebody, Mary, mm-hmm. and mm. when they have a detailed question, that they could come in, they have a reference point to come in. So very often we say, please come into our stores because we know our mm. team members mm. can spend more time with you and explain the products. Because when you're online, you. Mm. You 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 don't even know what to be buying half the time, especially if it's a new product. Yeah. So we prefer people to come in to see us initially, but then once they know, um. The replenishment of that product can be very easily bought online. So, and I always say, you know, it could be a wet day and you might not want to queue outside mm-hmm. of a pharmacy. It could be um, a new mum and they've just mm. h- had a baby or whatever. And you know, you know, the challenges yourself, Mary, of trying to get yourself organised to even get out the door. Mm. They can shop online. So it's it's really good to have both options so exactly. that our customers have a choice. And mm. it's not for us to decide when they cho- choose to do one or the other. It's up to them. You know, if it if it is that they want to speak to somebody, that they can come in um, and vice versa if they, if it's more convenient that they can get shop online. Mm-hmm. But what the online store has done is it's opened us up. You know, we're Dublin based, mm. as you know, in the nine stores in Dublin. But now we look after, uh, as you said in your intro, mm. like customers from the length and breadth mm. of Ireland um, and abroad and well. abroad. Yeah. So like we're now shipping to 58 countries all over the world. Um, so many people shop with us from, you know, like literally Australia to mm. the States or whatever. Um, and it's it's amazing to see that we actually can become a platform for so many other Irish brands on our so, site. So
0: what do you when are you going to be happy that you've achieved enough? <laughs> Where is it going to stop? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I, th- I just feel like there's so much more to do. Mm. I feel okay. like okay, you're much enjoying much the journey.
1: I absolutely really enjoy okay. it and I enjoy learning mm. myself. Like online was, i sure I knew nothing about mm. that whenever mm. we started out. Like us all, like, like us yeah. all, yes. So absolutely. that's been a journey of learning myself. And I feel like what I really want to do is be able to deliver
0: the service that we provide in our stores mm. on an online platform. Fantastic. So you've really changed the face of pharmacy because you've really brought it from prescribing to education and just enhancing that educational role, because we all know pharmacists educate, but you've really, uh, you know, triumphed that, which yeah. is wonderful. Your are with College of Surgeons and in Trinity, which is wonderful. And on top of that, you've done the online thing, but you also are a huge mentor. Um, to women in particular, because yeah. I, we see on Instagram, and I've met you on several yeah. occasions, yeah. and and you're you know educating on menopause, you're educating on skin. What what drove that, Una? What did you see? Sort of the women were being left behind, or what was the reason? Yeah, that you well, definitely did that?
1: when it comes to the, to the menopause, I suppose myself, I'm going through perimenopause, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I mean, this has been a journey of my own discovery as well. And what I felt there is that women don't know what's going on, mm-hmm. as you well Absolutely. know here, yes. right? Now, yeah. um, so, you know, and and women used to always reach out to me and ask me, you know, am I losing my memory? Mm. Am I, you know, I can't, I can't get out of bed. I think I'm depressed or, you know, they would be getting wound up and really, really having panic attacks about something so small that mm-hmm. they would have thought was so small that they would have been capable of dealing with, say, a year before. Mm-hmm. And actually all of these symptoms, of course, as you well know, is all attributed to the perimenopause mm. and menopause. And then I felt that, you know, all of this, once we started talking about that and explaining that, people were like, oh, my God, I didn't know what was going on. It's so simple Mm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I feel like when there's a certain topic that is nearly a taboo topic, mm-hmm. you know, for whatever reason, it shouldn't be,
0: but mm. it is. I think we're ma- managing to change that though, aren't Absolutely. we? Because everyone is talking about menopause at the moment. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's the buzzword now. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But it, I think it comes
1: back to we, we, we have an obligation yes. to educate, Absolutely, actually, yes. you know, Absolutely. and there is no point me walking around and, and knowing all of this inside without imparting that knowledge, like, mm. you know, I I actually feel like I have an obligation mm. to do and that. And you see the women suffering and I see the women suffering Absolutely. and we've got to change that. Absolutely. Yep. Especially yeah. when you know that actually there is something here that possibly could help not 100% mm. of course but certainly worth a try mm. that could really help them. Mm. So so yeah we've been on earth in the menopause obviously we've been on earth in gut health we've been on earth in
0: even anxiety, sleep. You can, know? I, can I just say one thing that comes into mind Una? One thing I am concerned about and I'm saying this as a pharmacist because I think it's really important is that the proper people give the advice. You know yeah. I'm thinking just about menopause in HRT, yeah. and at the moment, I'm listening to so many, and you know, some of the people giving the information aren't coming from uh, evidence-based medicine. Yeah, and I think that's important that as doctors and as pharmacists, that we yeah. are out there educating Absolutely. and saying what's you know what's safe. Absolutely, because certainly you'd be shot down on social media by speaking the truth sometimes. Yeah, when, in actual fact, as doctors and as as um, pharmacists, we're being regulated, uh-huh. and and one of our, our we take an ethics code where we must protect the patient act in the best so, interest of the yeah, patient it's the absolutely. number one thing in our code of yeah. ethics exactly yeah. and
1: and and sometimes it, it, there can be a line and absolutely listen it really irritates mm. me whenever i see other people who are not yeah. qualified actually giving advice which could be very harmful mm. so I we always say take your advice from the correct sources yeah. yeah. The and I have no problem
0: with those people giving advice but don't yeah. don't say something incorrect and, yeah. and try and pretend that it is yeah. and yeah. then shoot down somebody who's who's saying evidence based medicine you know I yeah. just think we need to be very we're, we're probably it's a huge world out there isn't it uh-huh. the, the online and oh, I suppose absolutely. We've, we can't be afraid to say hang on here yeah. you've got to you've, you you can't mislead people oh no and yeah. listen
1: at the end of the day we're professionals exactly you know yeah, and, as yeah, you said yeah. we've Code yeah. Of
0: ethics, yeah, and
1: yes, it, absolutely. We have to educate and we must push forward in educating mm. and we must empower women. Um, but that you know, it has to be clinically based and absolutely. it has to be evidence based or yes, whatever. Yeah. And that's why, like, a lot of our products that we would champion, Mary, mm. and, you, and you would know some of them, you know, we we there's so many products out there in the marketplace mm. but we try and get behind products that are clinical based and have well, you're evidence. You're fantastic
0: on your research I mean you've sent on research to me and it's it's phenomenal you're very good with, with, with yeah. your research everything. Yeah, yeah. Very good.
1: absolutely and there's mm. so many things that are undergoing research at the moment and I feel sometimes that we need to even explain that that there is a trial going on mm-hmm. about this it's mm-hmm. very, looking very exciting whatever something is going to happen you know we're not saying what the results of that trial is but we're saying that there's, here's a new area of discovery which we didn't know before mm. you know we talk mm. about the microbiome and now how it's linked to so many other bits of health, and that's that's how we push through with uh, and how we innovate when it comes to healthcare. And mm-hmm. listen, um, and we want to said, be at the cutting edge of that, you know. Exactly,
0: and as you said, it's educating. It's coming from you've 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 researched it, you've, and then you're passing it out, and they can make an informed decision. And an informed decision, and yeah. we
1: always we have this kind of strategy in our business: a like good, better, best strategy. So you can have give customers a choice. And mm. a sub- listen it's up to them which they choose but we try and explain what's the difference between two, three, four, five whatever Mm. different types of brands or whatever Mm. and then they some Consumers that are savvy enough to make up their own
0: mind. Absolutely, like absolutely. Like and, and you love gut health. You're a huge interest in gut health, haven't you? Yeah, well, I do, well, because I'm a chronic IBS sufferer myself.
1: And um, and I've been on this journey for a long, long time, since age of 16. I know what's mm. ha- happened to me in that journey. I have been to consultant after consultant on it, and I know what's worked for me. Mm-hmm. And through my own, I suppose, journey, I have d- developed out a lot of research myself from all around the world. Uh, you know, I take a product, you, you know, my calls improve, mm-hmm. whatever it's changed my life. I like to I suppose impart the knowledge that I have around that. But that's brought me on a journey of discovering about the microbiome and how it's not only linked to our gut health, but to our mental health, to inflammation, immune health, and immune everything. health mm. absolutely everything. So uh, I'm a firm believer if you have a healthy gut, you have a healthy body. Totally, that's one yeah. element of it.
0: It's a uh, huge part of our system too. It's so little you know, it's yeah. just people forget that.
1: Uh-huh. And yeah. when we were in college, Mary, like, you know, 25 years ago when I was in college, uh, you know, we just learned the gut was an organ to get mm. rid of waste and mm. to absorb your food. Absolutely. And sure, back then, people yeah. didn't even realize, Absolutely. you know, whereas now, you know, it's a lot so bacteria
0: are making 95% of our serotonin levels, which Absolutely. is our main hormone. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah, and, you yeah, know, yeah.
0: then when you talk about hormone health, you know, sure, one thing links to you and and another, as you well exactly. You know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it controls linked. all of us, yeah, and, and our immune system as well, which is really important. Yeah. And then, Una, um, in terms of your, your, your mentordom, um, you're lecturing as well, aren't you, in the college surgeons? and yeah. in Trinity. Yeah, so I lecture um, So in, in Trinity, that's where I went to college, mm-hmm. obviously, so I have a real drawback
1: to Trinity all the time. So I'm on the strategic board of the School of Pharmacy there in Pharmaceutical Sciences so, and that's just to really help shape, I suppose, the future pharmacists coming out and mm-hmm. make sure that the education in the programme really is relevant to, you know, w- mm-hmm. w- what we need in in, um, in society uh, mm-hmm. afterwards. And then in, in uh, RCSA, I lecture on uh, the leadership programme um, to do, you know, really t- to impart with the pharmacy students what they need to consider whenever they were leaving pharmacy and going into a leadership role really um, and and again they they have a school of pharmacy now and they're revising that so I'm involved in that as well um, and then but the, my probably my main work when it comes to mentorship is with the Going for Growth program mm-hmm. I did Going for Growth as a participant I'd say eight years ago I got so much out of that program so it's really a program developed by a uh, unbelievable woman who should have on here called Paula Fitzsimons yes. and um, and it's all about peer to peer learning mm-hmm. um, and you do have a lead on the program who you would meet um, over six months. So once a month for six months and and it's a structured program. It covers one topic, say finance, one on strategy, one on people, so on and so forth. and. And all of the bi- the business women around the table would be from different industries. Mm-hmm. But these common threads appear in every mm-hmm. business, as we know. And it's really a program really to help to support these mm-hmm. women to break through some of the challenges that they face mm-hmm. um, and to help them grow and scale their businesses. Um, so I did the program when I was kind of trying to figure out what direction to take the business way back, I don't know eight, nine, ten years ago, got a lot out of it. The following year, I did continue in the momentum, which is kind of like year two of the program. Um, Again, got a lot out of that. And then Paula asked me, would I become a lead myself? So I've been a lead entrepreneur on that for six, maybe seven years now. And I've met, I have about eight, nine women each year on, on my table and from all different industries, from food to fashion to mm-hmm. beauty to, I don't know, physiotherapy. Mm. Had some doctors there, I've had other pharmacists, whatever. And it's really about... You know, finding out what's what's stopping them. Mm-hmm. Um, finding out when I went and I did it, I was at, I felt I was at a crossroads, didn't know whether to go left or right. And there's a lot of people who come to the program mm-hmm. feeling like that. They don't know, you know, should they take the business in this direction or that direction? Um, and they're just looking for a bit of guidance and a bit of support. Mm-hmm. And and the program is a very safe place to get that peer to peer learning, to open up, to share actually what's going on. Mm-hmm. High trusted environment. Um, where we explore what's you know where where are they at and and support them really to to get to the next level. Fantastic. And many of those businesses you know come they're Irish businesses but they end up become huge exporters. Mm-hmm. Um, they you know um, and. I'd say I probably was thinking about this coming in. I'd say I've had about 50 to 60 women um, under under uh, my mentorship in the last number of years Uh and they have gone on to do phenomenal things. And I'm so proud of them. I'm so proud of them. And
0: I interviewed actually the first woman as part of this empowering group of uh, podcasts from the north as well, President Mary McAleese. Ah! (laughs) So (laughs) you're amazing and poor Pat. Uh, Hume, of course, oh, was a wonderful yeah. and, and Lord mercer She died recently. Yeah. but you are a mother um, to to Cassie and and to Luca. Mm-hmm. So what do you what, you know? We we all the reason we're doing this empowering group, Una, as you know, is to try and push along gender equality and trying yeah. to empower women. What do you uh, what do you think you can do to, to improve things for, for Cassie and, mm-hmm. and to bring them, both Luke and Cassie up into more equal worlds? So obviously you've done great in your business and you've yeah. shown the women can can definitely achieve that and your mother achieved it in, in even a more difficult world. Yeah. But what else would you would you do you think you can do or would you like to, to see for, for Cassie and, and for yeah. in
1: particular? Well, I think
0: there's two things really for me. I think you have to see it to believe it yourself.
1: Yes. I really firmly believe that in, mm. in, in in role models. My mom was a role model for me. I have, uh, there's been so many inspiring women that I have watched or that have supported me throughout my journey so Mm -hmm. far. And whatever it is about women, you know, you, once you open up to another woman who might, you know, have the same sort of family circumstances, you, you feel like somebody understands. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's what I get in going for growth the whole time. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think there's the role model bit. So Mm -hmm. I feel that my mum did that for me if I can prove and show and demonstrate mm-hmm. to Cassie and to my nieces mm-hmm. and to other ladies like young pharmacists contact me all of the time Mary and saying, how did you do that you're a huge role
0: model for me mm-hmm. I love this whatever and I spend a lot of time yeah, you know helping fabulous him. girl from my own uh, locality called Costello um uh-huh. yeah, she, she's with you um one of the Costellos, and she, she's delighted as well yeah but how do we change the the real um you know things in society that are so wrong how do we change that for example you know the, the sports now they will be on tomorrow the, the ladies football and yeah. you know they're not going to get the same crowd at it because it's not advertised as much and yeah. we, we've been saying this for years and still this nothing is done about it and government know and they still won't do it yeah. how, do, how do we change that Una? Well it's back I think it's back to education and it's back to actually changing it at, you talk about
1: Luca and Cassie mm. you know yes I want Cassie to be able to look at me and see what my mum did so I can do it as well but I, I want also, want Luca to be able to mm. see actually, you know, how my sister is treated is Absolutely. different to me, and I want to be able to explain to Luca, you know, why that's not okay anymore, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And, and it is about equality, and it starts at the home and it starts it does, young, yeah, yeah. Um, so it is about educating in your own family, um, environment, I think, first and foremost, so that they understand that actually, you know, when they grow up things are different and that they're they're treating Mm -hmm. their female
0: peers differently as well but I do think we need to we need to call out more what is so wrong in society for example we're both paying the TV license and yet they're giving so much funding to the male compared to the female which is Mm -hmm. so wrong they're also you know putting on male sport all of the time which young Cassie and my daughter are seeing you know to be so unequal because the girls are putting in equally amount the same amount of training so Mm -hmm. that to them puts them on a, a lower playing field yeah. and that gives them a, a lower self-worth so it's it's also wrong and but we have to be the voice of that yes where, and that's you know, what we're doing yeah, yeah. we have yeah. to
1: champion that we have to be saying you know policy will never change anything mm. unless there's a, a loud enough voice you talk about yes. menopause like the last year mm. what you have done and mm. what other people have done yeah. to yeah. actually bring this Gina, issue yes. but to bring this issue yeah. out to the fore yes. That's what we have to do. We have yes. to be a strong voice, a voice of clarity, mm-hmm. a voice of reason, mm-hmm. and a voice of explaining why yes. th- it needs to change. change and yeah. I don't dare say, any policymaker, there, whenever you position it as, do you want this for your daughter or do you want mm. this for your niece? Or you know, mm. when when it's turned on that uh, through that lens, of course, nobody wants it. But it's about actually being. Forcing the change, you know, yeah. and we have
0: to, you know, we have to I, keep
1: on doing I, that until I can't we get to understand
0: how fathers who love their daughters mm-hmm. don't insist on it, you know. Because I'm talking about Komogi where I would go with my daughter regularly, and they would get the back pitch, mm-hmm. and, and the, the younger age group of boys would get the front pitch, mm. and you know, that people fathers and mothers don't question this more I mean it yeah. irritates me but yeah. you know it's just this this is something I've, I find yeah. hard to reckon with
1: I guess well there's two things in that number one sometimes I, I wonder do they even see it you know mm. is it just happening and just becomes a status quo and number two is you know nobody's going to ta- change it like, like they might be thinking there's a little voice in the back of their head saying that mm. that is wrong but unless there's momentum behind yes. these things yeah. nobody forces that change mm. so I think you know it, it's strong voices mm. it's um people you know I suppose coming together yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and uh, forcing change. Like Force when you change, look yeah. back in history, if all of the changes happened through you know females in politics or females mm. anywhere, mm. do you know? it is in, in women coming together and men as absolutely, well actually yeah. and men saying actually this is not right how we've been doing it all along yeah, needs we, to change you absolutely, know absolutely, um, yeah. and it was so interesting because I, I was involved in retail excellence for a long long time I was on the board there for a long time and I was actually a chairperson there and we set up this group within retail excellence called women in retail Right. Mm-hmm. And it was it was really interesting because I when I was chairperson I surveyed the members because I couldn't understand how there were so few female board members mm-hmm. in retail organisations, mm-hmm. and what really was I could really couldn't understand was that most people who shop are females, mm-hmm. yeah. Even if it's a car, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. the female tends to have a huge voice in making that decision. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it be Absolutely. your shopping, local shopping, whether it be whatever, and yet I could see when I was in that organisation that. A lot of people sitting at the top tables, there was no women, there was no representation. And when we conducted that survey, we seen that actually there was at the the lower levels in retail, there was 80% people who worked in retail Mm. were female. Mm -hmm. Then you got to middle management, it was down to about 60. Mm. Then you got to board levels less than 10%. Yeah, exactly. And when I presented that information to the organization at that time, it, it, there were so many people on the board who went. Mm. I never realised that.
0: Yeah, and yeah. I'm
1: talking about men who had their board and not one woman on it. Yes, yeah. and they couldn't see actually the benefit of having a woman because mm. we think differently. Yes. Um, The benefit of having somebody there that would have that diversity of thought on the Mm -hmm. board Mm -hmm. that would be thinking like their customers, who
0: because 70% of their customers were female. I think the evidence is all very compelling now to have women on it, especially since the crash. That if women had been on it, things would have been done differently with banking and so forth. (laughs) Yeah, we we all know that. And and we did um, an empowering podcast with President Mayor McLeese, and she questioned and has very publicly and very courageously questioned the lack of women in church and the misogyny in in the church, which I think is, is very. Um, brave of her, but, yeah. but you know, we do need to get equality right across Across the spectrum, yeah, and From representation the church, to the uh, politics, to the professions, yeah, e- to... equal representation, yeah. yeah, for our children to see so there's a more equal society, yeah, and so they're all secure. And remember, they're the mothers and fathers of the next generation, yeah, so they have to be secure human absolutely. beings, absolutely.
1: And it is terrifying, Mary.
0: I remember being
1: appointed to a board um, a number of years ago, five or six years ago, and I remember my first board meeting walking in, and very often. I am the only woman in the room mm. or very often. Mm. And I thought this day I, I walked in and I could see there was, it was just all men mm. and there was one space and it was right up by the chair. And I just said, just, you know, uh, my mother always says, pull up your big woman girl's pants and go and do it. Like okay. go and do it. You've yeah, got to change. Yeah. Yeah, You've got yeah. to change. You've got to be that instrument of change. And I walked straight up and I sat down beside him and said, how are you doing? I'm and I was so terrified, well done. so terrified, but I thought if I,
0: like I have to do this well done it's like do. Ursula von Letten. that was amazing <laughs> yeah. I really was proud of her because she was left yeah. out with the seat And yeah. but what I really was impressed with was how she called it out afterwards and she Absolutely. wasn't afraid to do in the European you Parliament can't. just was fantastic you yeah. know and she did it so well and, 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 and it's essential isn't it because for too to. long women let things go and mm-hmm. oh look at us the way it is and there'll never be change if you let things go you've, you've got to call it out you've got Mary, to change we've the got to be a of, voice. Yeah, yeah, we've yeah, got yeah, to be a voice and we've got
1: to be a voice Voice United and I always think there's a really good friend of mine Dervil uh, MacDonald I'm sure you know Dervil mm, well I do yes and she always says that you know the, the real character of a woman is about what people say when she's not in the room yeah. Yes, true. And I, I think that's a really we need to empower each other.
0: Yes, very yeah? much.
1: And we need to be a, vo- a collective voice. Yes, and we totally. need to say what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. Yes, and, absolutely. You know, absolutely. And, and support
0: each other. And, and the other judgmental them. thing is gone. Absolutely. And we don't do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that's so and true. And we owe it
1: to our children. Right? Yeah,
0: owe it to. Well, that's what and we're, we're trying to do. We're trying to change the the face of the earth mm-hmm. for the the boys and girls to come, but particularly mm-hmm. the girls, that it's a more equal playing field, mm-hmm. and they don't have it so hard to get, and that they. Don't don't see those inequalities that we all saw. No, absolutely. And and that does affect health, as we both know. I mm-hmm. mean, it really has a huge because it stops people with their self-worth, you know, that, mm-hmm. and that is a huge play on, on hormonal health and, and, and well-being, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's yeah.
1: on your confidence and your confidence leads to, you know, your, your whole mental health, which ends up with your physical health. So it's your, the whole body, your whole person,
0: yes. Um it, you know. So and, and in small little changes, but we need to have the courage to do it. Well, Una, you're an amazing woman. So you started, you just are amazing um, the way you just with the business side of things. But you're an excellent communicator. Uh, you're really uh, empowerment of women is a huge key because with the menopause, the skin, the gut microbiome, I, I just love the way you do that. Mm. And, and then it's just you're so natural as well. And I think that's what people love about you. Oh, but you're God. also the mother of two children and how you manage to juggle it all but you, and, and, and do it so well. I, I'm just very impressed and we're all very impressed and that's why you're on our Empowering Podcast and thank you very much, Una.
1: Well, thank you, Ray, and thanks for the invite. It's Not at a all. Pleasure. A I'm pleasure delighted. to talk to you all. Thank this. You. Thank,
0: thank you. Thank you.